Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Hi, I'm Sasha Ann Simons, your new host of Reset. It's my absolute honor and privilege to be invited into your homes, your cars, and be able to talk with you on the radio every day as host of Reset here on WBEZ. I look forward to all that we'll share with each other in this space, and I'm so grateful for this platform to tell our stories. Coming up, we'll hear from some frontline hospital workers who are literally putting everything on the line every day to keep patients healthy. But first, we're all looking at that light at the end of the tunnel, the vaccine. The first doses started shipping yesterday, and today, an ICU nurse in Queens, Sandra Lindsay, became one of the first Americans to get inoculated. She said, I feel hopeful today, relieved. I feel like healing is coming. I hope this marks the beginning of the end of a very painful time in our history. Me too, Sandra. So how will the rollout go down here in Chicago? WBEZ's Cook County reporter Kristen Schorsch joins us now. Hi, Kristen. Hey, Sasha. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to talk with you for the first time. So let's jump in, Kristen. We know that the first doses of a COVID-19 vaccine could be distributed by city health officials to all 34 Chicago hospitals by the end of next week. Can you break down the timelines around distribution? I know some hospitals are even expecting doses as soon as this week. Yeah, we've been talking to hospitals over the weekend. I've been on the phone all morning texting and emailing with folks. It really depends on which hospital it is. Some of the larger teaching hospitals in the city are expecting to start giving shots to their frontline workers uh, as soon as tomorrow. Um, I've spoken with some doctors who work with Advocate and Edward Elmhurst in the suburbs, and they have a slot tomorrow to get a shot. Others who work at um, North Shore, which is another big health system in the suburbs, or Rush University Medical Center, which is near downtown. Folks are signed up there for Wednesday. Some of the smaller community hospitals that I've reached out to, they're still waiting details because, you know, there, there really are such a limited amount of doses. Like each hospital is only going to get maybe 1,000 vaccines and, you know, two doses are required, you know, within a month. Um, So people are still kind of waiting for more more details, but there are, you know, a lot of people are excited that they at least think that this week they'll be able to get a shot. So do you have an idea of what that looks like across the state? Because this is a part of the initial wave of doses, but I'm wondering how many doses Chicago and, and even Illinois is expecting to get in this wave. Yeah, well, I think the last time we checked, Illinois is only expecting to get maybe 109,000 doses. So that's not a lot for an entire state, right? And Chicago, obviously, a a smaller portion of that. So hospitals are prioritizing even within the hospital, right? Because hospitals are getting the first shot at the doses beyond 
nursing homes, but even within the hospitals, they're tiering workers. So if you think about um, doctors who are treating the most COVID patients who can catch the virus the most, you think of people who are working in the ER or in the intensive care units where you treat the sickest patients or in the COVID units. Um, But even within those brackets, hospitals are prioritizing people who are high risk. So if they have a chronic medical condition like diabetes or heart disease, or they're, you know, of a certain age, right, if they're older versus like younger doctors, doctors who are working in the ICU, they might still be not in that first wave of folks getting it because Mm -hmm. the hospitals really want to prioritize risk within risk, so to speak. And Mayor Lightfoot said that there's been a large emphasis on equity in distribution. How so? In Chicago, Black and Latino residents have gotten sick and died the most of COVID-19. The city has taken an equity approach from everything from trying to get more access to testing in these communities to the hospitals and doctors who treat them. But again, you know, I've reached out to a lot of these smaller community hospitals that mainly treat people of color, many of whom are low income, and they're still waiting details on when they're going to get the vaccines. They say they're ready. You know, they've got a strategy because you have to, you know, once you um, take these vaccines out of this ultra cold storage, you only have a certain amount of time to use them. There's just a lot of technicality with this process. But those hospitals are still awaiting details on when they're going to be able to start giving doses. Lightfoot also shared plans, Kristen, for all working adults in Chicago to get free vaccines next year. What do we know about that? We all want people to to know that this is going to take a long time to roll out, right? So first, people in Hospitals are going to get the vaccines and nursing homes. We're still awaiting details on the next group, right? So people who are older than 65, people who have underlying medical conditions, people who are essential workers. Those are some of these next groups who are supposed to be potentially getting the vaccines. But even within that bracket of essential workers, for example, I mean, you and I are essential workers as journalists, but so are people who work in grocery stores, so are bus drivers, so are teachers, police officers. So, you know, we're all kind of waiting to see how that giant group of people is going to be prioritized. Factory workers in Illinois, the most outbreaks of COVID had been in factories and manufacturing plants. So how are we all going to prioritize who gets that shot in that second phase? We're all waiting for those details. But um, a lot of public health officials have really urged patients that it's going to take a while, at least, you know, the next six months is going to be like just vaccine distribution business. And then, you know, this Pfizer vaccine that's been approved for emergency use has only been approved for people 16 and older. So when you think about kids and families, children haven't been part, have not been a large part of these trials. They're likely going to be at the end of the line you know, fall, perhaps winter, getting a vaccine. Kristen, knowing that it will likely be another few months before the general public gets the vaccine, Governor Pritzker said that Illinois residents should actually act as though there is no vaccine. So does that mean that the state won't be seeing any shifts around restrictions in the states for some time? Not that I've heard of. I think that's a really good point. I mean, even for people who get the COVID vaccine, this is new, right? We don't know a lot of the long, long-term long side effects. We don't know how long it's going to last. People should continue to wear their masks. They should continue to socially distance. They should continue to not have people in their homes who don't live with them. So these same behaviors that they've been encouraging the whole pandemic, and now obviously with a lot of restrictions on the types of businesses that can be open, or if kids are in school, that for now is going to remain in place. And also, if you consider just being in the middle of of a surge of COVID, 
you know, we just had Thanksgiving. Public health officials are still waiting to see kind of the side effects of that and hospitalizations. But also we've got, you know, we're in the middle of Hanukkah. We've got Christmas coming up. We've got New Year. We have a lot of other holidays and celebrations. And that too, people are going to be watching closely to see if that is going to fill up hospitals with more people who get sick with COVID. So just because we have a vaccine right now does not mean that people need to relax and pretend like we're out of the woods yet. That's Kristen Schorsch, WBEZ Cook County reporter who's been covering the pandemic response. Her latest story is on the status of Mercy Hospital on Chicago's South Side. We'll tweet out a link to the story. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks, Sasha. Okay, we've lined up some of our own local heroes to hear their frontline stories and find out how they're preparing for what we hope will be a brighter tomorrow. We'll hear from a nurse and a senior living CEO in a minute. But first, let's meet an emergency room physician, Dr. Ernie Wong. He's chief of emergency medicine for North Shore University Health System. Dr. Wong, welcome back to Reset. Hi, Sasha Ann. Thanks for having me. Tell me how it feels to get some good news after so many weeks of things going in the wrong direction. All I want for Christmas is my two vaccines, okay? <laughs> there, there is an electricity and an excitement today around our organization that um, I, I got to say is, is so needed. The prospects of a safe, effective vaccine that will take the what if I get sick off the table for all of our healthcare workers is absolutely extraordinary. And to do it with the speed that it has been done, magnified by this backdrop of how badly this virus has ravaged our country. Just just amazing. This moment will make history. Every historian will put on their top 25 list. So one reason why we haven't seen another full shutdown like we did back in the spring is because of how much you've learned about how to treat the virus. Can you talk about treatment and, and outcomes back in the spring compared to where we are now? I'm going to just give a big shout out to our uh, acute care colleagues in hospital medicine and critical care, they have been able to transform Glenbrook Hospital, our COVID hospital, uh, into a well-oiled, well-run, well-treating machine to help people get in, get treated, recover, and be discharged. We are still admitting a relatively same number of patients every day, but they're doing such a great job of keeping it going that we're doing okay right now. Well, we're also still in flu season. Could that complicate things? Because I heard the flu hasn't been as bad this year. Yeah, I think that's been a, a nice sideline to this. And it's it's not been bad. And I think social distancing and wearing a mask and washing your hands have contributed to that. And, you know, we are thankful for that, too. How has the pandemic affected capacity and care for non-COVID emergencies and treatment and surgeries? It has been very difficult for uh, every health system. And for us, we have spent days, uh, weeks, every day preparing for how we're going to manage both patients with COVID and those without, because everybody needs to be able to access care. And it's been very time consuming, but actually very rewarding. And uh, I think we have a really good plan on managing uh, flow of patients through the uh, hospital system. We've had challenges. We've had days when we've had patients waiting for beds for a fair amount of time. But our organization comes together and creates processes to help unload and expand. And that's, that creativity is one uh, benefit from um, the pandemic is that uh, we're a much more nimble organization. So on the vaccines, right, you, you are feeling hopeful, as you mentioned, but you've got to have some concerns Doctor, what, what are some of your safety and access concerns as you prepare for these vaccinations? 
So my number one concern is that people will not believe that it is effective and won't get it. I think, you know, if we can get that off the table and get people to understand and feel that it is uh, safe and has been shown to be safe across a wide range of populations. How are, you, how are you dealing with that? How are you responding to people who are skeptical about the vaccine? I tell them I'm getting it as soon as I can, and so should you. Um, I really believe that right now this is uh, the utmost importance. We have to be role models for uh, our society and uh, be brave enough to step up and get it. And everything that I've read and everything that I've heard is that it is safe and uh, effective beyond people's initial uh, expectations. Well, we thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Dr. Ernie Wong is Chief of Emergency Medicine at North Shore University Health System. Dr. Wong, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you very much. Now, as we know, doctors couldn't do their jobs without the support and leadership of the nursing community. They're the ones with the patients 24-7. So let's now hear from Paul Pater. He's a registered nurse at U of I Health, and he represents nurses at UIC Hospital as their co-chief steward for the Illinois Nurses Association. Paul, welcome to Reset. Hi, thanks for having me. Paul, the nursing community has taken the brunt of this war against the virus. Tell us the feeling right now among your peers that a vaccine is within reach. Um, You know, a lot of us are are very um, excited and hopeful that this is going to be part of the plan that's going to really uh, drive down infection rates. We're hopeful that this is going to protect staff and, and keep us from getting sick so we can continue to take care of the people in our communities. Now, you represent nurses and advocate for their safety and for their needs. Tell us some of the stories that you're hearing from your colleagues about treating patients right now, especially during this latest spike. What's that been like? Yeah, so, you know, I can tell you as someone who takes care of COVID patients on a regular basis, it can be kind of frightening because you can be in some of these these rooms for a very long time, and the longer you're in those rooms, the chance of infection goes up. We've been fortunate at uh, UIC to be receiving T100 respirators, um, something that uh, my union fought for directly in our contract. Um, that, that's been helping to protect some of our staff members. But, you know, you see a lot of these people, and, and they're very sick, and they're coming from areas of the community that I honestly feel like the city and the state have kind of forgotten about. You know, it's, it's very frustrating because you're seeing – black and brown people being affected at a much higher rate um, than you would other parts of the city. Yeah. At the start of this pandemic, there was a desperate scramble for for PPE or personal protective equipment. With the coming swell of people that are coming for the vaccine, can you update us on the supply of PPE for health workers? At UIC, I can tell you that uh, we have mandated in our contract that the hospital have a 90-day rolling supply of all PPE made available to us. And they, uh, for the most part, have made good on their promise there. Well, nurses in the Chicago area, Paul, have been walking off the job in the past few months because of what they've called unsafe working conditions and and exploitation. What are you hearing on the ground right now? Quite frankly, we did the same. We went on strike in the middle of a pandemic because, quite frankly, the safety standards weren't up to par. Our people died. Our people got sick, are still getting sick now. I think going on strike in the middle of the pandemic is a moral imperative. I think it needs to happen for some of these places because management and hospital leaders are not 
doing what they need to do to protect their staffs. They're looking at protecting their pocketbooks. And that is just not something that is going to be acceptable when we're taking on a pandemic, pandemic like this. That's Paul Pater, a registered nurse at UI Health and co-chief steward for the Illinois Nurses Association at UIC Hospital. Paul, good luck, and, and thanks to you and all nurses and health workers out there. Thank you so much for your time. We're talking with frontline workers about the start of vaccinations in Chicago, hopefully by next week. And when the pandemic started, long-term care facilities became a hotbed for virus spread. Nursing homes will also be top priority, along with medical workers. So let's now speak with Gus Noble. He's president of the Chicago Scots and Caledonia Senior Living and Memory Care. Hi, Gus. Welcome to Reset. Hi, how are you? Doing very well. Can you tell us, Gus, a little bit about your facility? Yeah, we're one of the uh, the small uh, independent uh, nursing home and retirement communities in the state. Been around for 105 years, and we're actually part of the oldest charity in Illinois, a not-for-profit nursing home uh, located a few miles west of the city in North Riverside. And so what was your initial reaction when you first heard about the vaccine? And, and tell me what your thoughts are now. Well, obviously, it's something we've been um, hoping uh, will come sooner rather than later. And and the the news about vaccines being shipped is such a a welcome sound to everyone's ears here. Uh, It it began as a flicker of light, and now the the light is getting brighter, and we can see and feel more definition around when it's going to be coming. I'm grateful to our... our, uh, our friends at the Illinois Department of Public Health for having a, a, a webinar to discuss their mass vaccination plan tomorrow. And we're certainly eager to be part of it and to learn about what it will look like insofar as um, vaccinating our, our residents, our staff and, and everyone here at the campus. Any specifics that you can share now about the vaccine rollout for your residents and, and for your workers at Caledonia? We're still waiting to hear. Um, we know that we uh, are, are going to be working with um, IDPH uh, and Walgreens, who are one of the, the two partners in CVS and Walgreens, who will be helping. And we, we have a great relationship with Walgreens, who've been supportive through the pandemic. They came and administered our flu shots and helped us get all the consent forms ready for both the powers of attorney, residents and staff that will need to get everything in place. So... I know that I I speak for Caledonia Senior Living, but I'm also in regular touch with several other nursing home and com- uh, communities in the area in uh, in this part of the world who are yeah. all putting our ducks in a row and making sure that when the vaccines arrive, we don't have any any impediments or excuses for not rolling them out as quickly as possible. Well, that in mind, Gus, you know, tell us what are the needs or, or hurdles for Caledonia and other long-term care facilities to successfully get the vaccine to residents and workers? We just need to have a, a timeline for for when they're there. What we do know is that we need to start planning our reopening, our contingency for continuing to be careful until such a time that we can be sure immunity is actually in place. Um, it's not like you get the shot and then immediately it's in your arm, you're immune and can can open up the doors and that's it. We, we know it after the shot on day one, it will take roughly 28 days before immunity is, is in place. So we, we need to start planning for rollout for, for our staff, for, for our, our residents and, and when it is and how it is that we can open our, our campus back up to the world. That's Gus Noble, president of the Chicago Scots and Caledonia Senior Living and Memory Care. Gus, we wish the best for you, your residents, and your staff. 
Thank you. Can I just say how much I appreciate WBZ and everything you've been doing? You're, you're vital and essential workers too. Thanks, guys. Thank you. We appreciate you as well. And that's today's Reset, day one of what I hope are many days that we'll spend together here in this space. I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter. We're at WBEZ Reset. And I'm at Sasha Ann Simons. And leave us a message at 888-915-9945. That's 888-915-9945. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for being here today. And we'll talk again tomorrow. If you need a break from the news, WBEZ's Nerd App Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club. Listen to Nerd App wherever you get your podcasts.